Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hello and welcome to the show with me, Gillian Godsell. Today, my guest is Phil Ingram, who is the CEO of Leprechaun. Phil, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So we're going to rant. We're going to rant from the very beginning. We're going. We're going this Excellent. is Jock Radio. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now you said that I was actually drinking water. Maybe I should have put something a bit stronger in it. We should have something, <laughs> something definitely wine or whiskey or something. So gaming and blockchain. Leprechaun is a new startup. It's a year old. You're coming in as the CEO. You've got a new vision. Let's talk about gaming and blockchain. Do they exist on the same planet, the same parish, the same piece of space? Um, at this moment in time, I, I would argue not, but I really believe they should do. Um, one, I would say video games or gaming, and careful with terminology because sometimes gaming can be meant to understood things like casinos, but playing games, should and could be the first killer on-ramp for mainstream blockchain adoption, but not like it is at the moment. Um, To me uh, and to the company, and there are a lot of other people who think like this, um, blockchain itself, that simple concept that you own an asset and it can't be taken away from you unless you immediately leave your private keys at a bus stop, you know, that, that's the fundamental thing. And what that enables, if you start incorporate block, incorporating blockchain technology into video games, what that enables is this subtle shift from the publisher-first um, economies. You know, a lot of like online games right now, the publisher controls everything. They frankly own everything. You don't actually own anything. And should you commit some subtle faux pas, then your account can be taken away. Blockchain assets, of course, cannot be taken away. Um, And this idea of moving towards the player-first economy where the players actually own their rewards, um, I think is, you know, and that doesn't mean we talk about things like play to earn, that's a a separate discussion, but this simple fundamental shift. What that means is it intrinsically changes the relationship that players of games have with the games that they play. Um, It completely changes the way, for example, gilding can work in games. It's just that simple fact that they own the rewards of their labors. And, you know, that changes how, for example, marketplaces may work. So if you've got two powerful swords of Damocles and you only need one, you know, you can go to a marketplace and you can sell that. And it's your asset to sell. So I think that's the fundamental that for me that's the fundamental thing and this is about the video games industry adopting blockchain as an additional capability or tool that they can incorporate in the design of their games from the smallest type of casual games to the huge epic sort of ps5 rpgs etc um that would then prompt me to say that what we have at the moment even though it's created an entirely new category of some considerable size when compared to the actual video games industry, it's very niche. Um, 
at the moment, the blockchain industry has adopted gaming as an on-ramp. And that is not the same thing as the video games industry using blockchain to increase player utility in their games. And there's two big points that I'd raise having said that. The first is <clears throat> with the blockchain industry adopting gaming, it's still primarily a sales mechanism for NFTs and uh, tokens. Um, and I think the actual video games, it, to me, doesn't make a huge amount of sense in the long run. One, if you're selling a limited number of player characters, probably 10,000, it's a very common number. Um, you know, what does the 10,001st person do? And the other thing is, if you're talking about selling the token for the game or the, the currency for the game, well, let's look at a real life example of a massively multiplayer game, World of Warcraft. I love using World of Warcraft. It's a fantastic example because everything has an analogous thing in, in the crypto world. Um, when world, simplistic way of putting it, but when what the moment World of Warcraft was switched on, the first money was created by the action of the first player killing the and looting the first monster, or I think it was like a wolf or something. Um, and no matter, <clears throat> the more people played and the more longer each of those people played and leveled up, the more money was created. You never would, you'd never kill a monster and it had run out of money, the game had run out of money. But you would go to the auction house with, you know, and to sell some of your special loot. And you'd look at all the legendary stuff on sale and two years after playing, you go, how on earth, how many decades of my life will I have to play to be able to afford that? In other words, there's still scarcity. Um, I think I call this mining by playing. Um, you know, um, the token increases. I don't think it makes sense to say, right, there's going to be 10 million tokens in this game I, I, because you don't know how many people are going to play. So this is a very sort of blockchain first approach. And the video putting games the parameters, are, putting blockchain parameters on games, which is the wrong yes. way around, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think, you know, and actually the, another way to make this example would be if blockchain is, get my fingers high enough to make sure they're by the camera. If blockchain is this sort of base layer, this concept of immutability, and then obviously with things like Ethereum and other, you have the program, programmatic layer on top. What's happened is the financial world, we've got this thing called decentralized finance, and that is essentially a stack built on top of blockchain that uses blockchain in the way that revolutionizes personal finance. I agree with this. I happen to have most of my personal um, uh, assets in, in digital form now. And I use DeFi, I would say daily. The truth is probably about every seven minutes. Anyway, um, then, on, but the other side of thing, you know, the same blockchain, I think, has tremendous amounts to offer the game industry. But I think we need to build a new stack on top of it that takes certain things into consideration. Gameplay is not about sovereignty and approving transactions. Gameplay is about fun. You, the UX is important. If every time you kill a monster, MetaMask pops up and charges you a gas fee to loot its body, that's not good gameplay. So, you know, blockchain is revolutionary in terms of that shift towards the player, player first economy. Um, but I don't think the DeFi stack 
transliterates across to being a gaming stack. And that's the point I would make. Maybe it needs to be, game. you're going like from publisher first to player first, but maybe yes. it needs to be a gamer first. Well, actually, yes, gamer, player, our cho my choice of word was player, but yes, actually gamer first. So another, another interesting thing is, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, if you're going to, if we're going to convince gamers that blockchain can change their games for the better, um, we need to look at our vocabulary. Uh, you know, a gamer understands an inventory, which in a game that uses blockchain would be the wallets, and they understand in-game currencies. Um, they might not understand them as tokens. They understand in-game auction houses and marketplaces. That term actually translates. So they actually understand. Gamers have used all these things before, even if it was more sort of database and code driven. So it is possible to translate the idea. But if the way to get what they're used to is one, paying like 60 to $80 for a AAA game and being able to jump in and play it very quickly. If you're asking someone to pay 0.1 ETH, which is currently what, $360, give or take, um, for a player character to play a game. In other words, you're uh, 6Xing the traditional entry point for a top flight game. And that 360 is probably for a very simple sort of isometric thing. Um, and on top of that, uh, it, it, it doesn't make sense. And also if the onboarding mechanism is, right, You, if you don't have MetaMask, install MetaMask. Here's how you do that. I know you've never heard of a private key before, but we're going to talk you through it. Right, now you've done that. Now you need to add this network. I'm sorry, that's not mainstream gaming. And we have to have a better way to do this, particularly for people like me who believe passionately that blockchain actually can revolutionize the, the relationship people have with their games and the, and the intimacy and the, um, oh, I can't think of the word. Um, uh, uh, the the uh, when you the immersion that they yeah. can have with their games, yeah. But yeah. I think we have to reimagine the stack we build for games on on the basic blockchain layer. I think you're making a lot of sense there because. <sighs> sorry, sorry. Did I say that? Someone thinks I make sense. Because <laughs> 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 on the one hand, <coughs> we're agreed blockchain is revolutionary and amazing, and, and there's a huge amount of things that are fantastic about it but gaming is gaming and, and it's it putting them together is not just as simple as it's not a clunk click and in you go and off you go so I told and and also I mean I love your analogy of having to sign in with MetaMask to agree everything to loot months whatever it is that that's kind of crazy because that's totally dis disrupts play the play mode you're you're looting yes. a month whatever you go oh, oh, over to this click thing what's that it's like someone knocking at the door can we, <laughs> we also put to bed then just I get your thoughts on the um play to earn that is obviously blown up over the last while over a lockdown axi infinities replacing salaries in the philippines and a huge hack we have a few days ago of course but play to earn what's your view on play to earn um from a from a obviously the, this whole new category i mean the truth is a new a new category has come into existence um but i think uh the it is it's, it's dangerous to co uh, to um, com to I'm trying to think of that. another word uh, another word I'm trying to it's dangerous to confuse play to earn with gaming um, uh, play to earn implies a different uh, motivation 
to uh, to play. And I don't think the next Assassin's Creed game is going to basically say, you know, this game's awesome because it's play to earn. I don't think it is. However, can't knock the fact that a multi-billion dollar category has come out of nowhere in under a year. And at the end of the day, it's not for me to tell anyone how they should spend their time. So that is a perfectly legitimate business model that has come about. But that is not, I would not call that mainstream video gaming, which I'm pretty sure is still about having a great time, even if you are able to have more control over how you benefit from your efforts. Um, I think the other danger with play to earn is it has caused a lot of damage out there in the gaming community. Um, when I talked about the block, the difference between the blockchain industry adopting gaming as an on-ramp and the video game industry adopting blockchain to improve player utility, this actually fits into that. We will have noted, it was not that long ago, a matter of months, both Square Enix and Ubisoft got some considerable heat from their gaming communities because they mentioned that they would go into NFTs, etc. Well, that is the fault of the blockchain industry and uh, the sort of blockchain first approach to things. When to me, the blockchain is actually a supporting thing to the thing the customer wants to do. I'll give you an example. Um, you don't use Evernote because it uses SQL Lite as its database. You use it because it's a great note-taking app. You will play a game because it's fun. There will be a category now people will play a game because they can earn a living doing it. Um, by the way, play to earn technically did exist before because there were people who would basically spend, you would give them your username and password for World of Warcraft and they would spend 24 hours grinding you up to several levels. And then they, you know, they'd say, ha congratulations. You were level 17, you're now level 45. Of course, if you were caught doing that, then you got your account banned. Um, the other thing about play to earn is it, it puts the wrong emphasis on things. Uh, recent, uh, uh, I think it's about six months ago now, maybe, uh, when Steam kicked about 25,000 games off its platform. And whilst I tell you now, everyone in the AAA gaming industry, um, uh, platforms like Steam, the big developers, they're all looking at blockchain. They're all asking the same questions that I'm sort of hinting at in, in my answers. Um, but they're all totally put off by by what they see as are you know as are uh, um, uh, some of the customers more forward looking at because all this play to earn stuff no phrase gets the sec on your doorstep like you're creating an income stream for people or someone like steam when you know they don't want people the sec phoning up going why are you promoting the sale of unlicensed securities so the blockchain industry has got to be careful that when you start turning gaming into an income stream, you're bringing the attention of the wrong people, even though technically the idea that you own your assets and can profit from them because they're blockchain based does technically mean that they, they, it can become an income stream. But some of it is in how it's presented. So play to earn is a very distinct, successful category. And, you know, it's it, there's a lot of good come out of the, 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 the new eyeballs it's born on what we're trying to do in this very, very nascent world in which we live. But it also has a downside for 
um, like the, the mainstream video games industry um, in terms of us getting the right message about out that we're actually trying to help video games companies and ourselves make video games that are more immersive because of some of the things that blockchain allows us to do. I don't know, did that, did that sort yeah, of explain? No. Thank you, because I needed to knock that on the head before we go forward. Looking at Leprechaun, which are you are the new CEO of, although you've been working with them since its inception a year ago. Um, it's blockchain, it's entertainment, it's player-led economies. How are you going to make a difference? What are you going to do that's different that from we started off with the problem at the beginning, you know, blockchain, going to force blockchain down gamers' throats. How is Leprechaun going to do it and make it different? Well, the first thing that... Um, uh, it should be pointed out that Leprechaun has done many, many things right over the past. I think it's actually, we've, the token's been live since Paddy's Day last year, March 16th, uh, 2021. But the company's really... 17th. Was it 17th? Yes, you're right, it's the 17th. Sorry, I, I had to correct you. We did an Irish woman. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, I'm English and therefore I deserve to be corrected. Um, so, but... The you know before that obviously I think I joined the company in August of, of the previous year and the idea had been being worked on since January of so 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 it's 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 the, the, I suppose <laughs> it's like the overnight success you don't see all the bit that happened beforehand. Um, Leprechaun has done many things right um, in a very difficult space at the time we launched. You know most of the token launches were the next connection between traditional finance and decentralized finance. How many times have you heard that phrase? Um, or, or the, you know, uh, another DEX that does something better. And a lot of those smart contracts pretty off the shelf. And we were sitting there going, we want to prove that blockchain can make games better. Now, we had some original, at the time, we were also focused on prediction stuff. Um, but, you know, we went through some changes because a couple of things we were working on partners didn't go the way they were planned. Um, we were forced to make a pivot um, uh, in the summer and, and that was fine. But everything we did, we did many things that were right. We maybe possibly didn't communicate as well as we could have done. Um, I say that as the CMO at the time, um, possibly sometimes we over communicated, which is uh, 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 a danger for a startup in a very in the public eye. Actually, I've got a whole realization about the concept of being a public company and a startup at the same time. Um, the you know we developed a lot of capabilities. We um, you know we built our own gas-free blockchain because we wanted to demonstrate gas as one of the frictions in gaming. Is your um, is the, the your um, leopard chain? Leprechaun, 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 yes. Leprechaun, so yeah. what is that based on? Is it a fork from something or what kind of it's, technology? It's, a, it's, it's, it's solidity. So it's a straight up Ethereum sidechain. Okay. Um, and in fact, the it's gasless. Yes, but to do gasless, you actually have to have it on private nodes. The reason for gas is to incentivize people to own nodes to extend the decentralization of the network. Um, you we were looking one of the things we were looking at were alternative ways of motivating them um, to uh, because the gas approach um, you can't have a gas as side chain then charges gas so you know the actual when you added leopard chain to your wallet um, you would you would see a number for the gas but it was actually a, an artificial number that meant nothing the only thing that was a value was the l3p token 
uh, or we, and that's the reason we didn't make L3P the coin of leopard chain. We made it a token on leopard chain because otherwise then you'd have gas. So um, uh, it's, it's complicated, but that's still, that's actually gonna take uh, longer to make, um, uh, to make, so leopard chain is now uh, moving towards being a, a development test bed. Um, uh, but in parallel, we're actually moving most of our commercial activity that's on Leopard Chain, and we have games on there. We're moving that to Binance Smart Chain because the games we have at the moment are not affected so much by the MetaMask issue. And in fact, that's part of the process. Um, and of course, the gas on BSC is negligible. And so, mm -hmm. one of the other challenges we had. It's one thing launching a side chain when you're Polygon or Binance Smart Chain or Zilliqa or Avalanche, and there are tremendous sums of money involved in bringing. It's another thing when you're a smaller startup. Um, and actually, in our case, Leopard Chain, although the idea is great and those that came onto it saw it and saw the benefit. If, for example, uh, we launched a game called Gachapon, it was the last game, which is essentially based on that Japanese vending machine. And every time you win, you win an NFT. Um, and the NFT you then pack, you then go to somewhere, you unpack it. It's actually like um, a, a, a composed NFT. And in it would be uh, one of our chili bottles. I'll talk about those later. And would be some USDT on the Polygon networking. It could be anything from, from 50 cents to $125. So we had 10,000 of these NFTs. Um, it 10, was actually, yeah. Well, no, we actually, as a result of this, we have a product about to come out very shortly called the Pack Generator, which can batch mint composed NFTs, something no one's done before. It's perfect for other gaming companies. It's basically DLC for blockchain. So, um, no, that was a side product to that. But the, the, the point was that to play the game, you would assume you had no L3P, you would buy L3P on BSC or ETH, but you buy on BSC because of gas. You would then have to go to our bridge, what bridge page, bridge the L3P to Leopard Chain, then add Leopard Chain to your MetaMask, then add the SL3P into it, and then you could play the game. It's just too many steps commercially. So we've realized if we put it on Binance Smart Chain, you just get L3P and you play. And so that's one, that's one of the decisions that's been made since I came on board because I need to go where the customers are. Um, it's not necessary for me to force the customers to come to me and drop many hoops because I'm not the same as Avalanche or as Silica. So that's one of the first changes we make. Um, other things, uh, a total streamlining of our uh, 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 new roadmap. Um, the roadmap is going to be released soon, so I'm limited to how much these I know, but I can talk, some, talk about some things. We have three products about to go live um, in alpha or beta version. They are the pack generator that I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, from the pack generator, there's not a, another product that we're not going to mention yet, but it's really, really cool for anyone who has to move large amounts of assets around. That's all I'll say. Um, it, uh, uh, the, and then, of course, something that was in our original white paper, which is Fans Predict, which is our peer-to-peer -peer prediction platform. And that is now running on, that will run on Binance, well, I keep saying Binance Smart Chain, KickBee, it's supposed to be BNB Chain now. So that will run on BNB Chain. Um, it is currently on the uh, uh, BNB Chain testnet and has officially been declared working. So now all we're doing is cleaning up interface things. We will launch it onto BNB Chain within April, and then everyone will be able to come and play. 
the alpha version will not have user-generated content, um, but the questions will be set by us or pulled from oracles, um, and you'll use BNB to play. Uh, but you'll need to have L3P if you want to challenge an outcome, because you have to bond. You've got to put your money where your mouth is if you want to challenge an outcome. The beta version, which will go shortly afterwards, will have user-generated content where people who have L3P, if you have no L3P, you're not allowed. People who have L3P, <clears throat> which we haven't mentioned yet, is our Leprechaun's token, will be able to actually pose questions themselves. And so we're just designing a, a moderation tool to deal with that because obviously we can't give people unfettered access you never know what's going to happen and then the actual gold the gold version will be the ability to actually participate in prediction pools with l3p now what's super cool about fans predict is we designed it so that each individual category we can add the, the top level so in the master of the navigation one, we can add a category, and two, we can brand that category. So we're able to partner with third parties and essentially create a branded prediction platform for their stuff. Interesting. I can't announce it yet. It was agreed this morning. We are doing, we will be teaming up <clears throat> with a fairly notable esports organization somewhere across the other side of the Pacific from me. I'm in Hong Kong as a clue. Um, and um, we will be basically running their events and also using um, their uh, uh, their Twitch network, which reaches I think it's like 25 million impressions a month to promote fans predicts. I'm super excited about that. So fans predicts one of the original things we said we would do. The, uh, there are other things in the pipeline that I can't announce yet because they're not public. Um, the other thing we are doing is we're going to be creating an entirely new staking platform with both an instant and also long-term lockup staking for L3P holders, <clears throat> considerably improving the utility. Mm -hmm. And after that, um, the one of the next intentions is to bring back from the white paper, although we may not call it this, um, uh, something we call the Shamrock Protocol, which is essentially the rewards for participating in the project. The best way to do it, frequent flyer miles for crypto. So, yeah. um, but what we're trying to create is, and this is where I think it gets really interesting and shows one of the things that's sort of um, a total token and um, uh, consumer uh, uh, ecosystem can do is our basic concept is if you have L3P and you stake it, and then you play games, the more you play, the more you can power up your earnings. In other words, you keep playing, you earn more. Now, obviously that can't go on forever. So like frequent fly miles, your points run out, use them or lose them. But, that, but the other thing is if you stake more, then you can take that reward and use it to uh, as like an XP boost in games and level up faster. So you have this sort of 360 thing where on both sides of the equation, you can induce positive outcomes on the other side of the equation. And so that's different, to, that's different to play to earn. That's different to play to earn because you are being rewarded for no, no, playing. This is play and earn. Yeah, yeah. So it's a whole difference. The playing is quite separate from the earning in that sense. You're not grinding. Okay, sorry, I interrupt you. You, where yeah. it gets interesting, you're going to say. 
But yeah, because then what this leads to, and I'm just going to hint, but I'm doing an interview and I can't resist the opportunity to drop something. Um, the, you know, we, with, with Leprechaun, we're talking about, uh, you know, using the L3 piece uh, ecosystem to produce this sort of symbiotic thing where you play and you earn, and the more you do one, the more benefit we can provide in the other. And it goes both ways, so it's a circle. But playing is not the only form of consumerism. Mm -hmm. And that you get into this, uh, this leads you into where we might be heading is this concept of consume and earn. Um, you know, because obviously where I'd really like to take things is to have the L3P ecosystem be able to externalize so that there are many ways in which you can benefit from the platform, not just by playing games, but there are many for other forms of consumerism which are digitally, digitally measurable. Okay, so consuming external... Who knows? Consuming... This is this is where yes. I stop and say I haven't announced it yet. <laughs> so consuming digital other 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 things not on the platform, so it gives it a, a currency outside. Well, the I mean, it could, I mean, they might be on the platform. It might be connected to the platform. You can be on a platform. You can be API'd into a platform. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, yes. But what are, the point? You, your original question was how uh, was could be interpreted as how am I setting a new direction for Leprechaun? Yeah, it is not so much a new direction but a honed vision that builds on everything we, we did, we've done and all that we've learned and much of the things that we've actually built looks back at what we originally promised with the white paper, where in some areas we may have moved away from it um, as, you know, the situation dictated, and then putting it in together in a way which enables us to put a train on rails and just go there. Mm -hmm. But the reason for adding the last bit in was maybe to signify that there's a much broader vision for where this could go once the train starts moving. And I think what I'm hoping to bring both to the people of Leprechaun, because at the end of the day, all the tech stuff, nah, what actually matters is the people we have in our company. I'm blessed to have a phenomenal team that punch far above their weight in terms of the number of people we have. Uh, and that is the secret source that will make this work. But, um, you know, once we can get this train on rails, there is so much with a clear vision, there's so much more that we can do. So that's what I'm really trying to set a much clearer vision, take out a lot of the outline stuff and just have a very simple thing that heads into that concept that I just described. Finally, how do you find it going from CMO to CEO? One is to communicate, one is to execute, if you like. How do you find it? Is it different? Uh, Are you more? Well, you know something. I'm, you know, that I'm really, I'm actually quite thrilled you asked that question because um, I've been thinking about this. I have been pondering whether, of all the people, um, and forget the C bit in the title. I mean, I honestly, I've been thinking about dropping those because we're we're a small company. It seems very pretentious, but um, the to be the head of a division and then be ahead of all the divisions. You know, it's one thing to move up the line in say the marketing field until you're in charge of all the marketing. It's another thing then to find yourself running across the whole company. And I didn't, this happened in very short notice. I didn't know this was gonna happen. 
although I'm obviously hugely excited by the possibility. Um, I think, I wonder whether the marketers have the hardest time transitioning. Um, does, does a CFO <laughs> go through the same hell that I do letting go? <coughs> because, <coughs> excuse me, one, you know, the, my number two in our marketing department, Emily, has been promoted to the director of marketing um, to essentially fill my seat. And I have to let, you know, this is a very human answer. I have to let go because I'm still thinking about all the things she's thinking about. And I've given her express permission to, you know, <clears throat> either verbally or if we're in the, when we get back in the office after the current lockdown, we're in Hong Kong, you know, to hit me over the head with the two by four if I should stray off chart, you know, my, you know, because I, she, she wants me and I want to let her do this. But as a marketer, it's actually because I'm thinking about the outside world all the time. And mm -hmm. I suppose I would say that communication is a very useful skill in executing because I've the most recently I've been very much focused internally. Um, you know, we held a series of, of town halls. One of them was a purpose meeting where everybody where I actually did none of the talking. I just facilitated and everybody talked about what the company meant to them, you know, what they felt the company could do, what the market needed, what they love to do. And we did this sort of very, um, uh, it's the sort of thing that, uh, that uh, Mr. Cynic would absolutely love. And I did actually use his golden circles of why, et cetera. So a lot of my time has been focused inward, allowing everybody to speak. And so that when we put a strategy out, they all hear their voices in it. Because if I can make sure that everything is shored up at home, everybody feels that they have purchase in what we're doing it's going to be a lot more effective for us to then take that outside which is going to happen during the month of april so so as a as interesting a marketer, answer yeah as, as a marketer Considered. thank you uh, as a marketer I, I i'd love to hear what other head market head marketing heads who've made that transition it's like maybe something i might maybe i'll start a little ex-CMOs who became CEO club on on well because I think it's, it's a difficult thing to go because I would imagine that the the MO job is the communication of what's being decided you know obviously they're at senior level but the idea is that they're more communicating as opposed to deciding and uh, that's yeah it's a, it's a different I, I like your, your take that you're listening to everybody giving them all purchase and agency and what you're doing going forward and uh, and allowing Emily to hit you over the head with two by four or two by two I think that sounds very nice uh, actually, a two by two sounds less painful. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, I'm thinking two by four. It sounds like two by two. I'm not quite sure. As you can it see, it is actually can... a two by four. It is a two by, by two. Four. I actually like... one of my hobbies is woodworking. So okay, <laughs> I have no knowledge in that area, as you can tell. Okay, well, very interesting. And I do like. I think you've you've adequately addressed the idea of blockchain and gaming because it's. You're right. It's that's and that also needs a two by four taken to it for people to realize that it's gaming well, first. I will, I will end then on the most controversial note of all. Okay. In my opinion, blockchain, certainly as far as the gaming industry goes, and actually as far as mainstream adoption goes, I think blockchain comes of age when you never mention blockchain. Yes. yes. Um, people, people, you know, this idea, you know, hey, we're building something on blockchain. Pardon my language, but who gives a shit? But, you know, um, we've made a really great game. And we've got this whole economic model inside it. It'll completely revolutionize how you build your empire in this game. That sounds awesome. Mm. Who cares if it's built on blockchain? 
sorry, I know a lot of people will hate me for this, but I think we have to remember it's about satisfying a customer need, consumer yeah. or business. How you do it, 99% of them don't actually care. Yeah, I agree. And I think also the one of the bottom lines, like for example, ownership, that'll be a given. We won't have to go, yeah. go on. Of course I own it. What do you mean? You know, I, you know, well, actually, let's be honest. Most people now you can have this. Now you can have a philosophical discussion about the nature of how banking works. But if you tell most people you don't own your money, they'll go. I don't <laughs> now, it is, you know. It's 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 it's, it's actually it's, it's it, yeah, it's the language blockchain. I, I believe blockchain is going to utterly reorganize the world. But I think it will do it most effectively as a silent partner. That's the line to finish actual... on. There That's you. the line to finish on, the silent partner. And That's the line that I might start my article on. Thank you so much for your time today, Phil. It has been very interesting. The CEO of Leprechaun. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.